He is for you. God loved you so much that he sent his son to the earth to carry a cross and die so you would not perish. He doesn't want you to perish. So if you perish, it won't be because of him. It'd be because of you. You refuse to believe in the name of the only begotten son. Today we're going to mine for treasure. And when I say that, we're going to go into something here that maybe you've never been into before so that I can lay the foundation for what I'm going to talk about next week. And I, it's going to take a week to set it up. So we're going to mine for some treasure today. And I'm going to ask you a question as we start. What do you think about when I say the word ark? This is a two-part series. Today will be part one. What do you think about? Most of you would think about two applications from the Bible, but there are actually three. The interesting part to me is that all three represent the power to save. God's power to save, the ark, represents God's power to save us. The first one in the Bible is found in Genesis and the account of Noah and the ark, and it's probably the first thing pops into your mind when I say the word ark. So let's begin there with the ark. Genesis 6, 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. It was full of violence. And God saw how corrupt the earth had become. For all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them, people, and the earth. So make yourself an ark. Here it is. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you will build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark within 18 inches of the top. Put a door, put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life. Anybody listening? All life upon the, upon all life. I got to go back to that word. We're going to start all over. That's what he's saying. We're going to start all over. All life under the heavens. Every creature. All life. Every creature. Are you listening? God was going to do something profound. He's going to start all over. Everything under heaven. All creature. Every creature that has this breath of life in it, everything on the earth is going to perish. I told you a moment ago, he doesn't want you to perish. That's not his plan. He doesn't want people to perish. He didn't want anybody to perish then. But I will establish my covenant with you. Now listen, here's the key word today. I'm bringing a flood, but Noah, you're going to build an ark. And the ark, I'm going to connect to the ark a covenant but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark. You and your sons, your wife, your sons, wives, and with you, 
And you are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, and keep them alive with you. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online today and you really, if you'd be really, 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 really honest, you don't really believe in this big boat way back then that saved a bunch of animals and ate people from a worldwide flood. Maybe if you're honest today, that's, that's you. That you listen to that other word, that other voice that tells you that that's not possible. All I can tell you is this, Jesus believed in the earth. So you've got a real problem. You've got a conflict. You believe in Jesus, but you don't believe in the ark. Well, Jesus believed in the ark, and he told us something that affects us today. He says that when he comes back, it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. He connects his return to the event that many people, even in the church, are struggling with itself. So if you say you believe in Jesus but you don't believe in the ark or the flood or God's judgment, then you've got a serious issue. The New Living Translation, which I normally read from on Sundays, doesn't use the word ark. It's called a large boat. You know why? Because the ark's a large boat. <laughs> the ark was designed by God. Noah didn't build, didn't design the ark. God revealed the design to Noah. The ark was God's design tool to save mankind and God cre God's created creatures from a judgment that God was going to bring upon the earth. If you haven't been to the ark encounter up in northern Kentucky, I would highly encourage you to do so. If for no other reason that you could get the scale of this boat. In fact, the biggest thing to me is when I first saw it pulled into the parking lot up there and went and toured it, the scale is mind-boggling. And to my knowledge, when uh, Ken Ham had that built back in 2016, he built it to the scale of Genesis chapter 6 that I just read to you. So let's examine, examine the context of this first ark scene in the Bible. I told you we're, we're mining for treasure. We're going deep. The earth was corrupt in God's sight, and it was full of violence. I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. There will only be one door on this ark. Now, if you were designing a boat, I doubt very seriously you would only put one door in it. But this design is from God to Noah. This design has more than meets the eye. There's only going to be one door in this ark. Only one way to be saved from the coming judgment. You're going to have to get yourself on the inside of that door before it starts to rain. Everyone on the outside of this door is going to perish. And I've already told you, God doesn't want you to perish. But if you're on the outside of this door, when the rain comes, you will perish. But there's only one door. Interesting. And here comes the big point. God looks at Noah and says, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives too. 
I guess you could actually call this big boat the first ark of the covenant. The covenant promise of God to make a way, a door, to be safety, to find safety from the coming judgment. An ark and a covenant with a door to find safety from the coming, approaching judgment of God. Now that's Noah's ark. This next ark is not so familiar, the ark of Moses. This one, like the New Living Translation and the NIV, can be lost in our English language translation, so I'm going to use the King James Version for this one. It's found in Exodus 2, verse 1. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a godly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river bank, river's brink, excuse me. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done. To him. That's why I don't ring King James Version. <laughs> to wit what would be done to him. You, you know who the baby is in the Ark of Bulrushes, the basket, don't you? His name's Moses. Noah also received an Ark and the Covenant. So let's look at these two scenes. Noah received an Ark and a Covenant that would save him from the coming judgment. The baby Moses receives an ark and a covenant to save him from the judgment of Pharaoh. Moses had an ark and a covenant in the beginning, and he will have another one at the end with Pharaoh. I'll explain that in a moment. But why are Moses' parents putting him in an ark of bulrushes, and where is the covenant? So let's go to Exodus 1, 15. And then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Sifra and Pua. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's order. They allowed the boys to live too. The ark of Moses, like the ark of Noah, is going to deliver them from the judgment and reveal, listen, and reveal a future judgment. The ark of Noah delivered Noah and his family and the animals that had the breath of life, but it also announces a future judgment. Jesus says it's going to be like that again one day. Moses, the ark of bulrushes, delivered Moses from the judgment of Pharaoh. But Moses would also be used of God to deliver a future judgment to Pharaoh. The ark of Noah delivered eight people from judgment. Jesus comes later and connects the dots between that boat, that door, that ark, that scene, and his return. So let's focus for a moment on the ark of Moses. 
the ark of bulrushes. Baby Moses is put inside this basket, this ark, to save him from Pharaoh's judgment. And what is the judgment? They're multiplying too quickly, and the Hebrews are going to overtake us, Egyptians. So the boys, we're not afraid of the girls, but the boys, we've got to stop this. We've got to kill the boys. Do you remember what happened with this, with this ark this, that saved Moses? Do you remember what happened inside this covenant of Moses in the 10th plague of Egypt? So there's an ark that saved Moses. So let's fast forward into Moses' adult life. He's in, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> he's encountered God on, at the burning bush. He goes into Egypt as the great deliverer of the Hebrews. He's gone through nine plagues and he's at the 10th plague. What's the 10th plague? Now, now remember, you got to remember, Moses was, he received the death sentence at birth. You're a boy, you must die. But he didn't die. He was saved by an ark. Okay, God used an ark to save him, an ark of bulrushes. So, fast forward the 10th plague, Exodus 11:4. Moses had announced to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, at midnight tonight I will pass through the heart of Egypt. Who's coming to Egypt? God's judgment, the death angel. And all the firstborn sons will die in every family of Egypt. Now, what was supposed to happen when Moses was born? These boys are going to die. And now there's another set of boys that are going to die. Interesting. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt, from the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the oldest son of the lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of all the livestock will die. And then a loud wail. Listen, don't, don't read over. There's going to be a loud wail come out of Egypt. Why are they wailing? Because their firstborn sons are all dying the night of the Passover. A loud wail will rise through the land of Egypt, a wail like no one has ever heard before or will ever hear again coming out of Egypt. Why are they crying? Because their sons are being put to death by the death angel of God on the 10th plague night of Passover. Stay with me. But among the Israelites, now that's the Egyptians, but among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful that not even a dog's going to bark while all the wailing is going on in Egypt. And then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. The ark of bulrushes delivered Moses. And through Moses, God paints an eternal spiritual picture that we are examining today and next week. We're going deep to find it. There is one door in the ark of God's salvation. One way into the safety of God's protection and covenant promise to save. God is able to determine who's on the inside and the outside of the door. He is able to make a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelite. 
If you study those plagues, the one, the ninth plague was the plague of darkness. And the plague of darkness, it was darkness so dark you could feel it, and yet there's light in Goshen. And the tenth plague, the firstborn sons are dying, and there's a wailing, but it's peace and quiet in Goshen, where Israel lives. God is able to make a distinction. How? How? Because there's one door. You're either on the inside or the outside of that door when God's judgment comes upon you. That night at Passover, there was a door. And behind the door, in, even inside of Egypt, behind the door where there was blood, there was peace. Outside the door, there is death. They're going to perish. God's judgment is God's justice. The Egyptians had caused great suffering upon the Israelites, and God was coming to settle the accounts. God's judgment always settles the accounts. This next part is the most revealing. This judgment of God was upon the Egyptians. That began with the ark of bulrushes and baby Moses. The judgment that began, that ended in Passover, began with the Ark of Bulrushes. Passover is God's covenant promise. It's His word of how to be saved, how to get behind the door that saves you. The Passover was going to reveal a door, an ark, and a covenant. Can you see it? I'll give you a little bit of a hint before I go to the next ark in the Bible, number three, when Moses takes the children of Israel out of Egypt and meets God at Mount Sinai. I'm going to fast forward to what I call the ultimate deliverer so that you can get this hint about where all this is going. It's found in John 10, verse 9. And Jesus says this, I am the gate. Okay? I'm the gate. I wonder how many people got it then, how many people get it now. Those who come in through me. So I want you to picture this boat, and there's a door. And I want you to picture that night of Passover, and there's a door. And on the inside of the door, there's safety. And on the outside of the door, there's death and judgment and wrath. I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come in and go freely and will find good pasture but there's a problem. There's another voice. There's another word that makes fun of the door on the side of a boat and makes fun of the door and the blood over top of it. And he belittles it and says, you'll not die. You don't need to go through the door. Verse 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to get you through that door. And have a rich and satisfying life. The ark of Noah had one door. And those who entered into the ark through that single doorway designed by God would be saved from the coming judgment. But understand something. Here we go. There was an ark, a wooden boat, and a covenant. It was the covenant. The covenant was the word of God to Noah delivered to the people in that time. There was the ark, the wooden boat, 
and the covenant, the promise of God of how to get through and that you need to get through that door, okay? The ark of bulrushes carried the deliverer Moses of Israel and saved baby Moses from the judgment decree of Pharaoh only to be fulfilled in reverse, in reverse. Satan tries to stop baby Moses, right? Let's stop baby Moses, but you can't stop God's plan. Only to be fulfilled in reverse, let's kill the boys, only to be fulfilled in reverse when the boys will die in Egypt on Passover night. 80 years later, 80 years later, they die. Moses reveals the second, the ark of bulrushes, and the third ark in Scripture. Are the shadows becoming more clear? Anybody seeing some gems down deep when you go to mining? Here we go. Exodus 19, verse 1. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. And then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, give these instructions. Now, now this is really important. Moses has gone to the top of the mountain and God says, give these instructions. Now, what, what, are, what are instructions? It's the covenant. It's God's word needs to be communicated to the people, okay? This is consistent that God will communicate a word. To Noah, he communicated a word. Communic These are the instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know I carried you on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself, out of Egypt, into uh, God's presence at the mountain. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant. So, what's the covenant? The covenant is the Word of God revealed through Moses or whomever. That's the Word of God. If you will be careful to keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And you'll be my kingdom of priests, a holy nation. This is the message. This is the message. And I'm going to insert the word covenant. You must give the people of Israel. Now, now pause in the story a moment. You, you know, we, we, we study, we, we speak English. So if you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, when you look at the word testament, you know what that word could also be translated to? Covenant. It's the old covenant and the new covenant. It's God's word. So what does he say? This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So God has communicated to Moses, this child of the ark of bulrushes, a covenant, a message. Moses climbs Mount Sinai and he appears before God to receive the covenant promises of God, the word of God. The ark of bulrushes carried the baby Moses and now Grown-up Moses is going to carry the ark and the covenant to the people. Are you with me? To carry the ark and the covenant to the people of Israel. Moses is a shadow 
a preview of the ultimate deliverer and the ultimate ark of the covenant of God, the single doorway into the presence, safety, and protection of God. And Moses is just a preview. He's not the main event. But where's the third ark? We've got the ark of Noah. We've got the ark of bulrushes that carries baby Moses. Where's the third one? And where's the covenant? The word of God. They will come together in a very beautiful way under Moses. God himself will design it. This what? Ark of the covenant. Pay close attention to the wording and the details because I can assure you that God paid very close attention to them. Exodus 25.10. God to Moses. Have the people make an ark of acacia wood, a sacred chest, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, 27 inches high. Overlay it inside and out with pure gold and run a molding of gold all around it. Cast four gold rings and attach them to its four feet, two rings on each side. Make poles from acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings at the side of the ark to carry it. These carrying poles must stay inside the rings, never remove them. You see such detail? Such detail. And when the ark is finished, place inside it, what's the ark? It's a box. It's a golden, glorious golden box, like a chest. And when the ark is finished, place inside of it the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. Thus, the idea, the ark of the covenant. It's inside the box, which I will give to you. Then, so what we got? We got a box, and the covenant is in the box, and the box is called an ark. Then... Make the ark's cover the place of what? Atonement. Say the word out loud. Atonement. Say the word out loud. From pure gold. It's on top of the box that holds the covenant is the place of atonement from pure gold. It must be 45 inches long, 27 inches wide. Then make two cherubim. That's kind of this angelic being two cherubim from hammered gold and place them on the two ends of the atonement cover. Mold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover, making it of one piece of gold. The cherubim will face each other and look down on the atonement cover like this. They will look down on the atonement cover. With their wings spread above it, they will protect it, the covenant. The atonement, the ark. Place inside the ark, inside the ark, the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, which I will give to you, Moses. Then put the atonement cover on top of the ark, and da 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 da, da here comes the grand finale, and I will meet with you there. Whoa, what? I'm coming. When you do that, you will meet me. I will meet with you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover over the Ark of the Covenant. From there, I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. 
the Ark of the Covenant, the Word of God, the way, a door for people to escape the coming judgment of God was being opened to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through Moses. So I've got a picture I want to show you. Most of you were not aware that they had a camera there that day. <laughs> Snap this really quickly. Okay. I think it was Indiana Jones that took this one. Anyway, I want you to notice something. Um, look at that and imagine why would God design such a thing? Now, now I'm going to give you a, a teaser. Next week, you do not want to miss next week because all of this comes to the grand finale next week. The top of the top or the cover of the ark was called the place of atonement. So between the two cherubim is called the place of atonement. Uh, it's later called the mercy seat. It's the place where you can encounter the mercy of God by the atonement of God. God was making a way. Listen, church. In this scene, God is making a way, a door. I want you to visualize one door on the side of the ark. He's making a way, a doorway to experience His presence and His mercy. Forgiveness of sin that would allow a person to escape the coming judgment of all mankind because of sin. God was going to establish in this scene, He's going to establish a priesthood in the time of Moses. A way. And through this priesthood, He's going to make a way, a doorway to experience the very presence of God. You must realize something here. This would be, in fact, if you don't get this, you miss the rest of it. This would be when he creates this ark and he makes this promise that I will come and dwell between the cherubim, this would be the first time since the Garden of Eden that God would come and dwell among his people. Do you understand that? The first time. He's coming. He's literally going to come into the camp of Israel and come behind the veil and settle down upon this golden chest between the cherubim and communicate with people. I'm going to read it to you. I will meet with you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover, the gold cherubim that hover over the Ark of the Covenant. From there, I will give you the commands for the people of Israel. How? How? What changed? What has this golden box got to do with God now being able to come and hang out among the people of Israel? What changed? Were the people of Israel without sin? Because that's what forced Adam and Eve out of the garden, and that's what forced God to put up a, a, a gate on the east side of the Garden of Eden with flaming swords and cherubim to guard the way into the presence of God. Were the people without sin? No. The people of Israel were not without sin, and neither was Noah, and neither was Noah's family, and neither was Moses. They, they had sin. But God was making an ark. I told you we're going deep. Do you see it? God was making an ark. He was making a covenant, an opening, a door 
by which these people could escape the judgment of sin and death. God told Moses to place an atonement cover over the Ark of the Covenant. We call it the mercy seat of God. The place where we can not only meet God, but we meet God because of mercy. It can be called, and this was one of my favorite parts, until you get this one, you'll never get it either. Because this place between the cherubim is the throne of God. You can approach the throne of God. He is enthroned between the cherubim. Let me read it to you. It's 1 Samuel 4, verse 4. So they sent to Shiloh to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. It's not just a big glorious box with imagery. It is the throne of God. God was making a way to come and live among the people where he would be enthroned between the cherubim. It was the place of atonement. The place of atonement above the Ark of the Covenant. So the covenant is the Word of God, and it's in a box, and above the box, above the Word, is a place of atonement. Open the atonement and you'll find the Word inside the covenant. This is big. <clears throat> Do you know what the word atonement means? I hope you come to church, you know what the word atonement means. It is to be reconciled. What's God doing? What's he doing? I told you that this is the first time since the Garden of Eden that God would come and live among his people. Atonement is to be reconciled, to be brought back to the position or the place that had been lost. So the presence of God had been lost. What? Because of sin. So God's making a way for us to be brought back into the presence of God. Man lost his place with God when sin entered into Adam in the Garden of Eden. We lost our ability to dwell in the presence of God. In fact, let me tell you, a long time ago when I would read the story about Adam and Eve being cast out of the garden and God put up this gate on the east side of the garden with flaming swords and cherubim to guard the way to the tree of life, I used to think, uh, that sounds pretty harsh. And then I realized something. He was saving them. Because if they entered into his presence with sin, and they had sin. They would be utterly destroyed. The gate was to save them from His holiness. It's not harsh at all. God's holiness, church, requires death. Why? Because He said, if you sin, you will surely die. And we've all got this giant problem. We've all sinned. And unless there is an atonement, unless there is a way, unless there is an ark, we will never be able to find our way back into the presence of God. We will surely die. The gate was on the east side of the Garden of Eden to save them from his wrath. The gate was closed, but death still came. Adam lived 930 years and then he died. 
Death had entered the world of men through Adam, and all have died since Adam. The only two exceptions are Enoch and Elijah, and I still hold to the fact that they're examples of the rapture of the church that is to come maybe, maybe soon. The Ark of the Covenant was a place of reconciliation. But how was the Ark, the Covenant, and the mercy seat going to reconcile people to God? That's a good question. How was this box golden box with tablets inside and angels on top going to reconcile us to God, allowing us to live among God without causing a certain death. Did you notice that Moses' parents were from the tribe of Levi? Oh, this is going to get good. Did you notice that? I read it to you. You see, God had a special plan for the people from that tribe. God didn't just call Moses, no. He called Moses and his brother Aaron. God was going to form a priesthood. So now he has this ark, and he has this covenant, this word. Inside the word are the promises of a way to get back into God's presence. God was going to form a priesthood from Moses and Aaron, a group of holy men from the family of Aaron that would be able to approach the ark of the covenant the place of atonement, and offer blood sacrifices. Stay with me. They would offer a blood sacrifice that would atone for the sins, atone for the sins of the people of Israel. This atonement sacrifice of blood at the Ark of the Covenant would temporarily pay the sin debt and satisfy the justice of God, allowing the people to live in the presence of God. Do you remember the Passover at Egypt? So let's, let's hold that thought. Do you remember the Passover of Egypt just a few months before Moses' encounter with God and this Ark of the Covenant thing? The Israelites had to do something to survive that 10th plague. They had to do something. They had to kill a lamb and put the blood of the lamb over their door frames of their houses before God's death angel came. Now, now, I want you to connect the, the arcs. Ark of bulrushes has delivered Moses, but Moses now has a story about a door, and you got to put blood over the door. And over here, you got Noah and an ark, and there's one door, and you got to get on the other side of that door. And Moses says, You got to get on the other side. You got to get on the inside of that door. And now, it's got to be blood on it, got to be the blood of the lamb on it. And you got to be on the inside of that door with the blood of the Lamb before God comes. Anybody with me? Before God comes. Now, first it was just before it rains. And now we've gone to another scene. And now this Passover, you got to get on the inside of that door. And you got to have the blood of the Lamb. But you got to have it before God comes because God's coming. And He's bringing judgment. And the death angel's coming. He's going to pass through Egypt. And he will pass over your house with the terms of the covenant. Blood over your door. The blood of the lamb would be the atonement, the sin payment that would reconcile the people, allowing death to pass over. But how would you know that without the covenant? It would be the covenant the word that would tell you how to get 
behind the door and to have the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb was their reconciliation to God. Without the blood of the lamb, death would surely come to that house in Egypt. Without the covenant and the ark, death was going to come to Noah's family, right? Do you see in Moses' story and Noah's family, without the covenant, the word, death was going to come. They were reconciled that Passover night and their sins were atoned for that Passover night because what? They heard and obeyed the word of God delivered through Moses. They heard it. Get behind the door, put the blood of the lamb over your doorframe, and you will not die. Noah, get behind the door before he comes, before it rains. God also delivered this message of atonement to Israel through Moses. The same one he delivered to Noah. And the people, listen, they believed it. And they received it. And they were saved. God delivered a message of atonement to Noah. A word of God about a single door on the ark and a covenant promise that if you'll get on the inside of that door, you'll be saved from the coming judgment. But they didn't believe it. Noah's family received it and believed it, and they entered through the door of the ark on the appointed day, receiving the covenant promises of God. Believing the word saved them. Are you with me? In both cases, believing the word saved them. The Ark of the Covenant. Can you see it? A single door, a deliverer, the blood of the Lamb. They were all shadows. They were real in themselves. I don't mean it that way. But they were shadows of things to come. God's plan to reconcile mankind to himself by making a way of atonement, the blood of a lamb that would be offered to God by a high priest. And there's where I'm going to have to stop until next week. Sorry, you're going to have to come back next week. So I'm going to summarize and wrap up. And I'm going to ask you a question, okay? I'm going to ask you several questions. Do you believe in the ark of Noah, the vessel through which God saved Noah and his family? Now, a hundred years ago, I could ask, well, I wouldn't ask it a hundred years ago, but a preacher could have asked that a hundred years ago, and universally as a church, they would say, well, sure, because it's, it's in the old covenant. Kind of takes on a different flavor when you call it the covenant instead of a testament. It was in the old covenant, Right? Do you believe that the ark had only one door and the design of that door was that it could only be closed from the outside? Ooh. So let's, I got a picture here. And uh, it's from the ark in, in northern Kentucky at the uh, ark encounter. And, and I want you to visualize something. This giant boat, 450 feet long, with kind of looks out of place, doesn't it? It does. It looks kind of out of place. It just seems too small. And to the world, it looks very small. And I hear Jesus in my mind right now saying, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate to hell is wide and broad, and many will travel that way, but there's a very narrow one. 
And there's a covenant that describes this very narrow door. And only a few, he said, not me, only a few are going to pass through it. So this door could only be closed from the outside. So that begs the question, who on the outside would close the door? The one that opened it will close it. The one who made it, not Noah, the one who made away the covenant will close the door. Genesis 6.14 Build a large boat, an ark, from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks, stalls inside its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat and put the door. Put the door. He's just following the covenant, right? He's following the instruction of God. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. It's going to rain. Everything on earth will die. Is anybody listening? Everything on earth will die. That's the urgency of that moment. But I will confirm my covenant with you. I will make a way to save you. So enter the boat. What's the covenant say? Get in the boat. You and your wife and your sons and their wives. Now, I read that a second time to say this. I asked you a moment ago, do you believe in the ark of Noah and the covenant of God to Noah in ancient days? So let's put ourselves in that scene, okay? So as you answer that personally today, let's put ourselves in the time of Noah. If you lived back then and you believed it was going to rain and that God had made a single door and made a covenant for how you could survive going through that door. If you believed the covenant, you would get yourself through that door. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Anybody would. Anybody would. You know who's outside that door? Unbelievers. Unbelievers of what? The covenant. If you believe, so let's, let's leave Noah and go to the second ark. If you believe the blood of the lamb would save you on that night, Moses brought the 10th plague into Egypt. And that God had said, death's coming tonight. Death's coming tonight. But if you'll get behind that door with blood over it, you won't die tonight. If you believe that, what would you do? You'd get yourself behind that door and you'd put the blood of the lamb over top of it. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. You know you would. You're not going to stand out there. You're going in behind that door, right? Both cases. Why? Because you believed the covenant. You believed it. Noah and Moses, you know what you can say about them? They're believers. They're believers. They encountered the covenant promises of God. They believed them. They responded to them by faith, and they were saved. But I told you about that door. Verse 11, Genesis 7. 
when Noah was 600 years old on the 17th day of the second month, all the underground waters erupted from the earth and the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. It's coming up from the bottom and it's coming down from the top. The rain continued to fall for 40 days and 40 nights. And that very day, Noah had gone into the boat with his wife and his son, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. And with them in the boat were pairs of every kind of animal, domestic and wild, large and small, along with birds of every kind. Two by two they came into the boat, representing every living thing that breathes. A male and female of each kind entered. Just as God commanded Noah, he followed the covenant. And then the Lord closed the door behind him. You know, every time I read that sentence, you know, what I, you know what's in my brain? Romans chapter 11. You know what Romans chapter 11 says? That you and I live in the church age. And he says in Romans chapter 11, and when the full number of Gentiles comes into Christ, I will close the door. The door is open right now. Today is open. And when the full number of Gentiles comes in, I will shut that door. Jesus, the Lamb of God, has told all of us that it's going to be like that again. What? What? Romans 11, when the full number of Gentiles, that's the church age, when the church has been fully reconciled to God, when everyone that's going to come in through that door comes in through that door, the door is going to close. So I, I got a picture. It's the inside. I showed you the outside of the ark pic. This is from the inside. And I love what Ken Ham did is that he paints the inside of the door with this cross image on top of it. If you go to the ark, you'll see that. You know why he did that? Because he believes in the covenant. And you know who that door is? Jesus. You see, we got something consistent from the time of Noah to the time of Moses to the time of today. Preachers have been preaching about this door and this covenant and about coming destruction and judgment and wrath for thousands of years. And some people believe and some people don't. And some people come through the door and some people don't. And some people mock it. In fact, that's what's interesting about today's topic. I know there are people who will hear me talk about this and they'll, they'll mock that you're such a simpleton believing there was this big boat and all these animals scurried up on the boat. I believe in the covenant promise of God. I do. And I believe that everyone on the outside of that door when it closes is going to be lost forever. And the only way to get behind that door is the blood of the Lamb covers the door. And I walk through it by faith. There's another picture. This is also from the Ark Encounter. It's a picture of a servant wrapped around a sign, a message. And here's what the sign says from the serpent. If I can convince you that the flood was not real, then I can convince you that heaven and hell are not real. If I could convince you that God never brought judgment upon the earth and destroyed everything that has the breath of life, then I would, if I could convince you he didn't do it then, then you wouldn't be worried about him doing it now. I tell you today, it's going to rain. 
Judgment's going to come and the door will close. It's coming. I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. The ark and the covenant represent the saving word of God. I hold it high. And if you believed that God's judgment was coming upon the earth, you'd go behind the door. The door is Christ. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. You know who it won't be on the inside when the door closes? Unbelievers. Or you thought, I'll get to that one day, but you don't know what day the rain's coming. And I need to make this point clear. You think, well, you're talking about the return of Christ. And yeah, I am talking about the return of Christ when the door will close and he will take his bride into heaven. But I'm also talking about this. I've had three funerals in the last week. People are dying every day from death. And the reality is, if you die from death, that door's closed. Do you understand something? So this isn't just about a day in the future when God's going to call his bride home and the Gentile, the door's going to close. This is about how many days you got left in your breathing. You don't have to be old to die. And if you believe that to die, to breathe that last breath of life without the blood of the Lamb covering your door, you will forever be lost in a lake of burning fire outside the wrath and judgment of God. You'd go through that door. You know why you don't go through that door? Because you're not a believer. And that's the truth. The promise of God, the covenant promise of God that I have outlined to you today is the deliverance of the coming judgment. To reject the Word is to reject that open door of Christ. To reject the Word is to reject salvation. Judgment and death will come if you reject the Word, this covenant, this ark that God has built for you. Jesus, I'll ask Chad to come on out for the invitation. Today I proclaim to you today that Jesus is the ark, He is the door, He is the way, He's the truth, He's the life, He's the Passover. He's every one of those things I've shown you today. He's all of them. And you either have entered into God's presence through Him or you're on the outside, or you're on the outside. It's either or. And today we're going to sing a song. And the song's kind of got this idea of there's one name under heaven we can be saved. There's one door. There's one way. There's one truth. Are you in or are you out? Are you in? You think, you can, you think you're faking God out? Anybody think you're faking Him out? You're playing some game? I believe time's short. I'm not going to apologize for saying that. I believe the return of Christ is imminent. I believe the door will close soon. The Holy Spirit reveals to me an urgency. I beg you, if you're on the outside, come in the door. While you have a chance, come through the door. You come through the door by placing your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You die to yourself. You're born again. You become a new creature, born of the water and born of the Spirit. That invitation to do that is open now in Jesus' name. Let's stand.